Abba Yahweh. With you is where I belong. In your watch. In your presence. In your word, in your truth, in your knowledge, in your wisdom, Father God. The enemy does not want me here. But here is where I belong. Here is where I will be. Ayah. Conduit for your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom. So, I've shared with you a number of times before, and I'm going to do so again. Some of you might say, Well, this old guy gets repetitive. Yeah, well, if it's important, it bears repeating. And everything that the Holy Spirit gives me is truth. It comes from the knowledge of God and he shares his wisdom that I in turn share with you. And the purpose is that I am a conduit for those treasures that God shares, delights in sharing. Saying that to say this, and this is, uh, again, this has to do with the confirmation of the word of God. And the confirming spirit is not to, again, not to be, and I told you so, sort of a phrasing, but just to reveal the truth and present as we should being the direction that we should travel. And my pastor shares this phrase often, we should be signpost people. And I know that, I know what he's talking about. I've learned that. So the metaphor he's using is you see that road signs have these little stick figures and they, the little caricature that they are, they are doing various things. They're pointing a direction or they're having one stop. So in the sharing of God's word, his truth, knowledge, and wisdom, and doing so in truth, because it is only his word it's not ours, and we should never claim it to be so. Point the direction. Confirming word is only doing that thing that I should be doing and reminding me through, as I've shared before, that I don't make conference calls to people. I don't think I know how to do it. Not with the phone systems today. I can do it with the old way. Um, but the point being that he shares his word with them and he in turn brings me to the same word and in studying or conversing with, finding out that he's telling us the same thing. That's a confirming spirit. And I wrote this down before I started reading and checking the notes that I had taken from Sunday. And David reminds us in his poetic writing in his songs in the book of Psalms that we need to run to the stronghold and that is Lord God Almighty Hashim 
the Lord thy God. That's where we should be. That's where we should be running to. But oft times we run the opposite direction that we should be going. And to the great delight of the enemy. He loves it when he can convince us that what we've done is so foul that God doesn't want to be near us or be around us or have us come and have time with him. And he doesn't want that to happen. <laughs> and uh, I laugh because I'm thinking that in doing the opposite of what Satan desires us to do, he desire and da and this is what he desired David to do. But David confessed and he admitted that when he fell, the place he needed to be was with God. This is why, this is, remember this. God called David a man after my own heart. Samuel didn't call him that. It wasn't a name given to him by his, God's prophet. It wasn't a name or a title given to him by man or mammon. God called David that. Because David fell, and David would fall, but David went to the place that he should be. Repenting, forgiving, and he came to God and confessed, which is what we're supposed to do. He, Abba Yahweh, our heavenly Father, we talk to God and tell him. He knows, but brothers and sisters, let me tell you, he knows. We might think that we're hiding something. We're not. The only person we're fooling is ourselves and maybe others on this plane of existence that we keep things from. But coming to the Father, <laughs> I, I love this because uh, all of this actually, <laughs> it fits so well and this is exactly what it does. And it's, it's, uh, it comes from the French, it's uh, Sagrenaer. It's a French word or it comes from the French. And some of you may have heard the word. This is kind of a, something that younger folks and possibly even my age might not have heard the term before. Chagrin. And this fits exactly what happens with Satan when this, when this takes place, when we come to God, which is where he doesn't want us to be, and when we go to Father and confess to him what we have done, albeit that he already knows, but we come and confess to him and share with him, it... <laughs> This the word is so appropriate to exactly much to the chagrin of the enemy. Let me share this with you because this is exactly what happens with Satan. And then he goes and he kicks around his demons and his minions. He takes it out on them. Uh, <laughs> but it's a feeling of vexation, which is marked by disappointment or humiliation. It vexes him because he's so disappointed. A feeling of annoyance. He's mortified. 
maybe even a little embarrassed and absolutely annoyed. Why? Because we went to the very place that he didn't want us to go. His desire and his hope would be that we would listen to the white noise interference and that we would not go to God and that we would go the opposite direction and that we would take ourselves into self-degradation far enough that we would not go to God. We wouldn't talk with him. And we would be much like Adam and Eve in the garden when God came to walk in the garden as he oft times did with them before Eve was beguiled of the serpent and they hid in the trees thinking that they were going to hide from God. He already knew where they were. And then, of course, after with them is so typical is what we do. What did Adam do? He blamed Eve. But if you remember and you read the conversation, that he also tried to slip in a little blame on God. Well, it was Eve, that woman that you gave me. Oh, Nellie, Adam, you followed her beguiling and she followed the beguiling of this Satan serpent as he lied to her and convinced her. She lied to you and convinced you and you did so. So what we do is we annoy Satan, we vexate him, we just annoy him to no end. And of course we heap disappointment on him because we, brothers and sisters, choose to ignore that white noise that he tries to pour out on us. And especially if we find ourselves tempted and we go into the temptation and then we confess to God. See, his, his deal is for us not to go there, that we run from that strong tower, which is God, and we run from repentance, and we run from his embracing arms, and we run from the love of God. What are we going to run to? The empty darkness and shadow and just stay there and hunker down and pull our hoodie up over our heads and and lean down and, and hunker down in the shadows? Or are we going to come out to the light and say, Father, yes, I fell. I know I fell. But with you is where I need to be. The enemy wants me to believe what he's saying. I don't want to believe what he's saying. It's emptiness, it's white noise, it's interference, and it's untruth. Father, you are truth. You are light. You are love. Your forgiveness. Satan wants us to be apart from him. And this is what I have shared as the, uh, the dissolution of a relationship with God. And we are the ones that do the dissolving. We turn our back. And this is what we do when we follow that white noise interference and we believe the lies that we're told. And by doing so, he tries to get us to believe that God doesn't want to hear from us. What have you done? Look how far you've fallen. 
that young that young lady I um I believe is Tasha Layton. And she sings about this, the lies that she was told. Look what you've done. Satan tries to say, look what you've done. Look how far you've come. Look how far you've fallen. Oh, you think God is going to talk to you now? You think that you should even be doing what God wants you to do? You think that you even deserve to be sharing the word of God and be in his truth? You don't deserve to do that. You don't even deserve to be a child of God. You don't this and you don't that. Well, remember this. In our adoption letter, Romans 8, very first verse. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to them that love the Lord. You love God, Abba Yahweh, our Heavenly Father, He loves you. You are His child. Might have fallen, but don't believe the rest of the lies. Yeah, you fell. Get back up. Dust off your knees. Pull up your big boy pants. Straighten out your big girl dress and dust off the dirt that might have gotten when you fell. And just say, Father, forgive me. I did what a foolish thing. I love you, Father. I'm sorry. And what is God going to do? <laughs> He's going to put his arms around you. He's going to squeeze you as hard as he can. And he's going to pull you in. He's going to look you right in the eye. And he's going to say, I love you. I love you. And would have done the same thing with Adam and Eve, except, except for this. They never asked for forgiveness. If you notice, you go back into the section of the book of Genesis. And there isn't a place there that talks about when God bounced him from the garden. And then he put the sentinels at the gate so they couldn't come back. Well, they never once asked God to forgive them. He just said, why did you hide yourselves? And then Eve, she blamed the serpent. And then Adam, he blamed Eve. And in the same course of conversation, he tried, miserably failed at it, by the way, is that he wanted to actually toss a little blame potion on God. He wanted to throw a little bit of that smudge on God. Well, you know, that woman you gave me, she did it. She did it. I wouldn't have done it, but she did it. Oh, goodness gracious. And Heavenly Father, maker of all things made, maker of the garden, the creator of this earth, you gave her to me. So of course, somehow it's got to be your fault. You've got you've to have a little culpability in it. Oh, no, no, no. See, that is, that's not humble and that's goes beyond being humble and goes beyond being bold. That be, that's being arrogant and disrespectful and come to God and trying to say that God, God made you sin. God made you do that. 
And God still, you know, <laughs> if God was really unrepenting or un, unforgiving and um, see, they never once asked God to forgive. They never, they never said that. Instead, Eve blamed the serpent, Adam blamed Eve and tried to throw some blame on God with that smudge. But God didn't snuff him. God didn't snuff him. He just kicked him out of the garden and told them that they couldn't be where it was that he made for them. And again, let's revisit this. God did not tell Adam and Eve at all that they couldn't have the rest of the garden. And this is what the devil tried to get them to believe, that God was keeping these things from them, but got them to focus on the one, the one tree, the one tree in the very center of the garden that they couldn't partake. And he got them not to think about all the things that God did give to them and everything else that he provided for them, all the other fruits and the vegetables and all the animals that they could have. And, um, and all those things that he provided for them, all their needs were met. And all that was taken care of. But he didn't get them to think about that. He got them to think about what? The lies that he told them. Oh, Eve, you surely will not die. God lied to you. Surely you won't die. Well... You will suffer spiritual death, but you're not going to be physically dead. And he got her mind all twisted around and she wasn't even thinking about the word of God, which is exactly what he wants us to do when we fall down. He doesn't want us to think about coming to God for forgiveness. He doesn't want us to be with God. And he doesn't want us to believe that God is ready to forgive us. He doesn't even want us to come to God. So in the spirit of confirmation, I'm going to go to the book of, whoop, I got it written down here somewhere. And I, oh, did I put that note page away? Sorry, brothers and sisters. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It is in the book of First Samuel. I'm sorry, I put that away. Closed my notebook because this comes from what was shared Sunday and we need to go to 1 Samuel chapter 8. And this is very much what we do and how we are. And in 1 Samuel chapter 8, we can get a short, we, you should read the entire chapter. And um, it talks about that God's prophet Samuel was, was aging. I remember Samuel was God's voice. Samuel listened to the specific word of God, Tarema, and was directed. Now in, in 1 Samuel, the... Uh, the nation of Israel is griping and complaining as they so often did. And they were all agitated and upset because 
Samuel's sons were judges over the nation and made decisions. Well, they would look around at everybody else and everybody else had kings. This is that thing that I share with you, brothers and sisters. We get so caught up in the validation of everything everybody else is saying and what they're saying it should be, and we're ignoring the validation and the word of God. What do I tell you oftentimes? So often I tell you, I don't need your validation. I don't look for your validation. I don't want your validation. If you decide to hear what I'm saying and the truth that I'm sharing with you, and you go to the word of God, you seek his face like I tell you to do, and try my spirit as I oftentimes invite you to do, to make sure that I am telling you the truth, and you will find that my truth is God's truth. And the paracletos, as the Latin would call it, the, the Holy Spirit, ruach Elohim. The breath of God is going to breathe on you and tell you, yes, he is telling you truth. He is sharing the truth with you, and it comes from my word. So that validation is the only validation that matters to me. And what you might say or what you might have to say about what I share, I don't care, honestly. I don't care. Just like, uh, point in fact, I had that person tell me that I shouldn't be worshiping and praying in tongues. Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't get confrontational. I didn't get up. I mean, and in the sanctuary, you're not going to do that anyway. It's inappropriate. But guess what I did? I kept praying in tongues. I kept worshiping audibly. And it wasn't doing to interrupt the entire congregation but I still worshiped God the way the Spirit led me to do. And as I've shared with you, this is not, a, this is not in any way, shape, or form meant to be an attaboy or a laudation for self. This is just exactly what it was. I, I didn't know what I was saying. That's, it's heavenly language. It's a word of God that comes through me. And when we share it back and we're speaking heavenly language, that's what that is. I had no idea what I was saying. But I had more than one, more than two, more than three people that were around me in the pews were sharing with me that they understood what I was saying because it was it, they were words that they had heard in Turkey. Where they come from? Um, well, that's interesting because I had a person that speaks Hebrew was sharing that I was speaking Hebrew. And then I had a person that told me that I was speaking Latin and they knew what I was saying. I had no idea what I was saying. Well, now I've studied Spanish and French, Japanese, and I'm trying to teach myself Hebrew and learning Greek, but it's difficult. And oh, that's the other one, is that somebody told me that I was speaking Greek. Now I had I had no idea what I was saying. I wasn't speaking a specific language that I know except a heavenly language. But yet I had four people that were in pews around me telling me that they heard words and they understood what I was saying. They were just they were they were at arm's length for me. I mean, as I say, I wasn't shouting it out so the whole congregation could hear it because that would have been disruptive and that would not have been orderly and that would not have been according to the word of God. But I was worshiping out loud and audibly. And the person was trying to tell me that that was confusing or it lends to confusion. Well... Yeah, if I had done so out loud and, and drew attention to myself, which is not what that, that was for, it was to worship God and speak his language or the language of his realm. 
and I had four different people tell me that they were hearing their language spoken. What do I, what, what can I say to that? Except that the word of God is truth, knowledge and wisdom that comes from the kingdom of heaven, period. So validation of man, I don't care. As long as I'm not confrontational, I'm righteous in what I do. I was being righteous. I wasn't being confrontational. I wasn't going to argue with him, but I wasn't going to stop worshiping God that way. And I continued to worship God that way. And I stay in that very place where I park and nobody else moves. All the same people are around me. Well, that person decided to move themselves. So that's okay. I still hug him, I still pray for him, I still love him, and it's okay. It's just, it's not for me to correct. It's for the Spirit of the Lord. But let's not get caught up on that. Let's get caught up in this, that we oftentimes will declare the dissolution of relationship with God. And we run away from the place that we should be running to. David reminds us, run to the stronghold and don't shy away from Abba Yahweh. Don't have to shy away from him. God isn't going to beat up on you. He isn't going to put one hand on one hip and wag his finger at you with the other one. What does God do? He looks at you, he smiles at you, and he pulls you in. And he puts his hand, one on each cheek, and he just looks you right in the eye and he smiles and he says, Child of mine, sweet child of mine, I love you. I forgive you and I love you. I want you with me. So, as I'm sharing, 1 Samuel 8, we're going to go to what was going on then is that judges were had rule and say over the nation of Israel. Well, they were whining and crying, as they so often did. I mean, they did so when they were leaving Egypt. They shook their hands at heaven and grumbled at God, and then they grumbled to Moses and got him so agitated that he had to take a rest. And God gave him a little bit, a little rest, and he had him bring 70 of his elders and to the tabernacle and, and put his spirit on them for a time, let it rest on them um, so that Moses could get a break. I mean, he had the entire nation of Israel and all their sojourners and those that came out of Egypt with them. So you're numbering at well over 600,000 people. And they were all grumbling at Moses because God wasn't doing what they wanted him to do. They thought that God was at their beck and call. It didn't work that way. God loves you and he answers, he listens. If you're doing so in humble reverence and not being arrogant as they were. So they were griping to God. And They were all agitated and annoyed. And what they did is that all the elders of Israel, they came and gathered themselves together and came to, Sam, came to Samuel. Was, uh, he was at Ramah. And he said to him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, here we go. This is Rema. Remember, I've shared with you that there's, a, there's a, a Greek words, logos and Rema. One is a collective word of God, logos. And some people call it, it's been used uh, 
as an armory or the collection point. And Rima, the word, specific word of God, and the swords that Christ Jesus pulled out when Satan tried to sword fight with him and throw the word of God, because here's another thing that you need to remember and don't forget. Satan knows scripture. The demons know scripture. Now remember this, Satan used to live in heaven. The demons used to live in heaven. They used to be angels before they were cast out. So they heard the word. And what was the word? The word was God. The word was with God. The word was from God. And the word was manifest. And this plane of existence came as Christ Jesus. John 1.1 1, 1 tells us where the word was, where it came from. And remember what Jesus tells us in Luke before he reminds us that he has given us power and authority to step on the heads of serpents and scorpions and face the power of the enemy himself and come to no harm. So further in verse seven, the Lord said unto Samuel, hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. Point of fact, Samuel was a prophet of God and, and this, okay, Holy Spirit just opened up something to me. This is why you also should not pay attention to validation of man and all this, is that that person that told me that I shouldn't be worshiping that way and that it was distracting, well, it was only distracting for him. And he moves, and that's okay. But everybody else was not distracted. But here's the thing. I was not going to allow it to personally affect me. And Satan wanted it to. And Satan wanted me to become agitated, wanted me to become annoyed, wanted me to become argumentative. And I shared this with you before, the desire, and even within the house of the, house of the Lord, because it's not like Parker Wood makes it like in the vampire movies. Oh, they can't come across the threshold of the church. They're going to melt down. They're going to be like a, a molten candle. And all the wax is going to melt. Well, it doesn't work that way. They come in, they pester, they annoy, they get you distracted, and they get you to pay attention to other things except the word of God and the truth. And his desire was that I would become agitated, annoyed, and that there would be argumentation. Well, there wasn't going to be any. Because the validation was not to me. He was saying, you know what? You're speaking heavenly language. You're speaking the language of heaven, and I don't want to hear that. It's confusing to me because I don't understand it. It's confusing to me because I don't do it. Well, okay, I love you and I pray for you and I will greet you and I will pray that you have a healing in your heart and all those other people that could understand the Greek words I was sharing, the Hebrew words I was sharing, the Turkish words I was saying, the Farsi that I was speaking. I, I don't know what I was saying, but evidently they knew and they could hear all these words that I was sharing and that I was speaking, and they knew what? That I was worshiping unto my Lord God. Not unto that man, not unto that person, but I was worship unto God, giving thanks unto God for all that he has given and where we belong. We were in the house of the Lord. That is what this is saying here. And that's what we need to remember. This is why we don't argue with them and why it is vanity for us to, to argue and fuss with them. And when we put on that armor of God, it's not in battlement that we're going to go raging into battle and, and go charging over to the neighbor's house because of this or that and the other thing. And then we're going to start flailing words and all sorts of stuff at them. And that's not what it's about. That's vanity. It's a waste of effort and a waste of strength. We are in a spiritual warfare. And the warfare is a pitched battle because it is for our very soul and existence. It is for the very soul of our neighbors and people that we care about so that they may become a child of God 
and be accepted into the family of God and become heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus as the scriptures tell us that we are. That's what it's about. It isn't about whether or not they agree with you. Who? So what? That doesn't matter. I don't care. And if you care more that their validation matters more than that of God, then there's something you need to be talking to God about. And not arguing with a neighbor, not arguing with a guy down the street, you're not arguing with a guy that decides he wants to move to the other end of the pew because he can't understand the language of heaven. Well, guess what? You're not supposed to. Just like the Bible reminds us. If you don't know what to pray, you start praying and you just let it go and you let it flow because the Spirit will give you utterance. What does that mean? It means that you are going to speak through the Spirit and you're going to talk to heaven. The enemy isn't going to be able to interpret and he's not going to be able to understand because much like the code talkers in World War II, what would they call them? I think they called them the wind talkers. I can't recall. Code talkers, wind talkers. They were speaking their native language and the messages could not be intercepted and interpreted because nobody knew what they were saying. Wind talkers. Same thing. You're speaking to heaven. You have a direct line to heaven when you speak in the spirit and you pray in the spirit and God understands the Holy Spirit understands and angels that might be walking and they hear that coming from you, they'll understand it. Others around you, unless those words were specifically meant for those people to hear. And it might very well have been, just like in the day of Pentecost when Peter and, and all the others were speaking in tongues. Every, oh, they're drunk, on, they're drunk, they're drunk. That's, that's all that's with it except that everybody that came from adjoining cities, towns, and parts of the country that weren't from there, they understood and they knew their own language because they were speaking it. And yet to everybody else, it sounded like babbling. Well, what I was, I'm sure it sounded like babbling to him because he wasn't an angel or he's not an angel. So of course he couldn't understand what I was saying. And it annoyed him because he couldn't understand, maybe because he couldn't eavesdrop on my conversation. It wasn't for him. So anyway. As God is explaining further to Samuel not to be upset because they're not rejecting you. You're just doing my bidding and you're doing what I'm telling you to do. They're rejecting me. So don't be upset with them for yourself. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt. Oh my goodness. And here the Lord is reminding Samuel. He said, hey, since I brought them up out of Egypt and they were all wrapped up in those false gods and their worship of the false deities and all that and came out and they shook their fists at me and then they had to wander around in the desert for 40 years because they didn't do as I, they didn't do according to what I told them to do because they didn't think that I was going to be able to fulfill it. They didn't think I'm a big enough God to take care of those giants that were living in the land. And yet, here we go, Samuel, is it, remember that guy, Caleb? 85 years old, he went back in and he took care of the giants. He believed. Joshua tried to get him and convince him, but they wouldn't listen to what Caleb and Joshua had to say. Oh, no, they went on their own. So they wandered in the desert for 40 years. But what did I do? For the 40 years that they wandered around, I took care of their clothing, I took care of their shoes, I fed them, I provided water. Do they remember that? No. Nope. And here they are now complaining to you because they want a king. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they do also unto thee. They're just doing it to you because you're my prophet, but it's me. You're doing what I bid you to do, so in a sense they are, but it's about me, Samuel. So don't get mad at them for that, okay? You just do what I have you do. 
Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. And he said, this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots. And he will appoint them captains over thousands and captains over the fifties. And will set to them to hear his ground and to keep his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. So Samuel was given testimony to the nation of Israel. Okay, a king you want, a king you're going to get, but the king is going to be exactly how you are. He's going to take, 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 take. And when it came time that Samuel was going to anoint Saul, remember this, that he almost missed his anointment. Why? Because he was too busy in his stuff. Everything that he, he was a, he was a pretty valiant leader in all this. And, and they had taken some loot and things from others that were at war and at enmity with him. And he collected stuff. Well, he was caught up in all of his stuff and he was worried about his stuff. He wasn't worried about obeying God. He wasn't worried about anything except himself. And this is exactly what Samuel told the nation. He said, okay, that's fine. I'm gonna give you a king, but your king is gonna be exactly how you are and he's gonna do you exactly how you do the Lord. He's gonna take your kids and he's gonna use your kids for himself They'll be doing his bidding and it's going to be that way. And that's exactly what Saul had become. Saul started out okay, but just like John while he was on the island of Patmos and Christ Jesus came to him and had him direct the letters and the letters to the churches to remind them that they had forgotten about God. They had forgotten about everything that they had was from God anyway. And remember what he told the church at Laodicea. I mean, he told them that they were lukewarm and that he would spew them out. Oh my goodness gracious. You're lukewarm. You're not, you're, you're not hot. You're not cold. I'd rather that you be really hot and on fire for, for me. Or you'd be absolutely cold and then you'd have to have testimonial witness and you'd have to be saved. I'd rather you be one way or the other, but not lukewarm. He said, you've taken everything that was given to you and you've accepted it for yourself. And you've dislocated your shoulder because you're trying to pat yourself on the back. Or you take turns patting each other on the back and making each other sore by self-laudation. Making everything about what you are about. So Samuel did that and Saul started out okay, but remember that he had also turned very much to himself and he did exactly what Samuel shared with them that he would do. It became all about Saul and he was to the nation of Israel exactly how Israel was with Lord God. And then 
despite all these things that were going on, God's prophet Isaiah spoke to them. And the speaking of the coming of Christ 700 years before Christ was born. For unto us this, a child is born. This is in Isaiah 9. And I'm going to read, I'm going to share with you 9, 6 through, 6 through 7. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah is speaking specifically. He's taking a rima, the specific word of God, and he's telling the people, listen to what I'm telling you. Because the Messiah is coming. And yet, what did they do? When Jesus showed up, he was rejected. He was cast out. And they didn't want to accept that he was indeed, or he is indeed what he said he is. A stubborn, stiff-necked people. Yes, we are. Further in verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. He told them that Jesus was coming. And then when he did, it was shared that he was the one that they had prayed for for generations. And some had prayed for Christ all their life, the Messiah. And he came, and yet they still rejected him. And yet they still murdered him. And yet they still said that he was not true. And yet they said he was a sorcerer. And he was of the devil because they spoke the language of the devil. And what were they doing? They were running away from the very thing that they should have been running to, running to with open arms. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, God, for this opportunity to share your truth, knowledge, and wisdom for any that would hear it, Lord, and listen to the message and heed your word. Brothers and sisters, go to his word. Seek his face, seek his truth, and practice his presence. Give thanks to everything that is God because he is worthy. Hear my prayers, my going out, my coming in every day. Be blessed.